Thank you, guys. Yes. Amazing God, isn't he? So awesome. Yes. God loves Tucson, Arizona. Jesus died to transform it and change it, and we believe that. And let's begin to believe God in prayer that he would transform this city around us by the transformation of this person right here, you, us, and making an impact for the glory of God. So glad to be with you. I'm so blessed to be your pastor. I really am. God's so good. And uh, we love you. And I just want to share with you. Yeah, you guys are awesome. I love you. Thank you. Um, I want you to know that uh, as we came together, uh, most of you know that Full Throttle is part of our ministry. Christian Faith Fellowship is our church, and Full Throttle is one of the ministries. We have a lot of ministries that happen through in the church. We have a ministry with Life Recovery and reaching out to the Gospel Rescue Mission and the people there. And Yeah. And um, we love you guys. And Teen Challenge and uh, those that are in that house and the different Exodus homes that are around community here. And then, of course, you guys as well. And as we do these things, God has blessed us in so many ways. And this coming October, you got an email this week, or I should say a push on the app. And so I know you all have that on your phone. Uh, that, that the shirts are available for this year for our Blessing of the Bikers way early because we're making a plan towards uh, October and so the cutoff date to order your shirts is early so make sure you get your orders in um, because October 13th is when we'll do our 14th year of Blessing of the Bikers and I share that with you because God has allowed us um, our church, our community, His ministry His presence to be seen through Full Throttle in very different ways in the church and in the community and as a result of that, uh, people have reached out to us. People think we're a biker church. I keep telling them we're not. We're just, uh, there, there's a lot of people here, and, and we're not all bikers and stuff, but they still think we're a biker church. So if you want to say you're a biker church, you go ahead. Um, that's fine. I give up trying to explain it to them. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Just come and see us. I don't care. Um, but because of that, you know, people reach out to us, and it's amazing how God has opened doors for things to happen, and one of those things was about a month ago, uh, some family contacted me and asked if uh, we could coordinate something to come to their home and give their father a, a last ride before he died. One of his um, bucket list desires was to ride on a Harley. He was a Vietnam vet, suffering with stage four cancer. He's a believer in Christ, and so we said absolutely. So we tried to schedule something, and his chemo and his sickness didn't allow him. So last Sunday after church. Um, we'd been reaching out trying to in contact with them. But last Sunday afternoon, I went home and I got a text. said, hey, can you come tomorrow and give them a ride? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, that's a big notice. So let's see. I contacted Ross. And uh, Ross and uh, Jesse, they've coordinated full throttles for several years for us. And uh, contacted Pete. He was playing bass today because Pete had said he would be happy to give him a ride on his bike. And so we said, hey, can we make this happen? Sent out messages, and you guys have responded. And so at 5.30, we met here at the church last Monday. It was 108 degrees, and 12 people showed up wearing their leathers. God is so good. We had two um, Southwest Arizona police officers with their sirens to lead us. Uh, God just is so amazing. And we were blessed to be able to drive to his house with an escort, go into his home, he was on his bed, and he couldn't navigate, so we picked him up, carried him out, and put him on the bike. He was so swollen. He had no shoes, couldn't wear shoes, had little flip-flops on him, put a vest on him. Ross uh, and Jesse blessed him with buying him a vest, put his name on it, full throttle, 
and put that on him in a helmet, strapped him on with our belts to pee. And uh, the police officer was like, well, how far are we going? I was like, well, you know, we probably should just do a little one-mile square so that, you know, it's not too much for him. And so as we went around with that escort, all everybody was stopping and wondering what was going on. Uh, as we went through all the lights and the different things, came around the corner. We were going to turn back on his street, and he was like, keep going. <laughs> yeah, it was so cool. He didn't want to stop, you know. And so we went on and had a little more ride, came back. We had to pick him up, carry him back in his room. And so his daughter uh, texted me the next day and said, you know, he laid in his bed all night, and all he just kept saying, that was so good. That was so good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm sharing that with you because it's so cool, and I love you guys, and you're amazing. And to have everybody show up and do that with that love, the whole like neighborhood and communities coming out to find out what was going on because the sirens and the police and the bikes, and it was just like such a cool thing. And then she called me on Thursday morning that Russ went to be with Jesus that night. And so I share that with you because it's, it's awesome. It's not an, on a bad way. It's so amazing. Listen, church, I want you to know how much God loves you. This is how much he loves us. That the creator of the universe, who knew he was going to graduate Russ into his presence, who believed in him, had lived a really rough life, spent time in prison, brokenness, had come and asked forgiveness, Jesus forgave him. And that, that, that God cares that much, that in a few days, God knew that that guy was going to be elevated into the vastness of God's awesomeness but that he knew in his flesh he wanted to ride on a Harley and that God would say, I want you to do that. Let me give you that experience before I bring you home. I mean, that blows my mind. Think about how much God loves you and the, and the fact that he would do that. God did that. I mean, we didn't even know any of those people before we went into their home to meet them. But God knows everyone and he cares that much about the details of your life. And so here we are as Christians sometimes struggling in our prayer life to ask God for stuff that's big and we don't want to bother him with stuff that's little. And this amazing God loves you and he wants to meet your needs. That's crazy. I mean, seriously. I mean, the fact that he would like do that when he's that sick and God's amazing. And I am blessed to be a part of what God's doing. It's like, why not? Why not? Church, I'm telling you this. I'm asking you this. I'm inviting you this. Why not be a part of what God's doing? Amen. There's nothing better in the whole wide world. I, I had the greatest blessing. I know all the people with us that were there had the greatest blessing. To be able to do that and to be able to come home and just be like, God, you're amazing. That was awesome. Was I hot? You better believe I was hot. It was 108 degrees. You know, we're on a motorcycle, and we have leathers on and all that stuff. It's hot. Who cares? Who cares? It was amazing. It was so good, and God is so good. And so as I share that with you, I want to encourage you to know that God cares about you. He cares about the big things. He cares about the little things. He cares about you. He loves you. And as we struggle to, like, live this Christian life that God has invited us, it blows my mind that let me just ah, get my thoughts here man i'm like so jazzed about what he's doing i'm like okay god like here i am growing up in the church as a pastor's kid my father was a pastor i grew up in the church 
I was taught all the Bible stories in Sunday school. I read the little Picks comic books. If you're older and went to church, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I read all those stories in there and loved it. I couldn't wait for the next one to read those. If you don't know what they are, it's okay. Um, And I knew of Bible stories and stuff, you know. And I was taught who he was. And I believed I knew who he was. And I believed he was the reason my life was miserable. I did. I believed that. Because I didn't like him. Because I blamed him for everything that I didn't like about my life. And I was taught about him a certain way, so I believed it was because of him. And so I knew about him. I knew of him. I knew who he was, and I knew he was real. But I stayed over here because I didn't like what he did to me. I didn't like what he did to my family. I didn't like the way he worked. And I didn't like what he asked for. And so Dave, in all of his wisdom of 12 years old, (laughs) don't think your kids don't know stuff. I was 12 years old. And I was like, yeah, some other time, thanks. Like literally told him some other time. I'm going to do my thing. (laughs) He's so amazingly merciful. But he looked at me and he didn't just like thump me. (laughs) He could, man, with a flick of a finger. It would have been all over. But he understood that I was an ignorant boy. He still does. And he loved me. And he watched over me as I ran around being stupid. And here's what I found out. That no matter what I did or where I went, I could not get away from the knowledge that I knew who he was. That I needed him. That he was real. And that I was a mess. I learned all that by the time I was 19. Some of y'all are still learning that. But at the age of 19, I was like, you know what? I am screwed up. I'm miserable. I hate myself. I hate the world. The only person here that I care about is Kim. She is now my wife. She's the only thing I cared about. I did not like anyone else. And I didn't like myself. And when that day came that he said, come here. And I said, yes, sir. And I gave my life to him. That it was in that moment at the age of 19 years old in January of 1982, back in Inkster, Michigan, that something happened to me that I began to understand I did not know him. And it was this revolution, revelation, incredible thing where it was like, God is real. And he loves me. Church, I want you to know that I've been on this incredible journey of rediscovering God who he really is, not who I think he is, not who I was taught he was, not who I believed he was, but who he is. And today I stand before you at the age of 56 and I'm like, whoa, I am in kindergarten in my understanding of who you are. I am less than that little boy in my ignorance of the vastness of the incredibleness of God. 
when I put it in the perspective of looking up into space and I see the pictures coming to us from the Hubble telescope and I'm in awe of the things that no one in all of creation in all humanity's history has ever seen. And you and I are blessed to be able to see those things that God made for his glory and for his joy and purpose. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, that's my God. That's my God. And then I'm like, wow, man, I am. Yeah, he's amazing. But then I look at myself and I'm like, why am I struggling to believe him over these little stupid obstacles in my life when he's that God? And I come back to myself and I'm like, Dave, see him for who he is. Stop putting your boundaries and your barriers on God. Let go and trust him. And here's the problem. So many people have let us down in our life. We've heard so many people say things that never did them or spoke flat out lies to us that we don't trust. We don't believe the grief, man. It's all over. It's on the news. It's on social media. It's everywhere. There's this story and there's that story and they don't even come close, but they're supposed to be the same thing. And so we don't believe anything's truth. You know this. We're cynical of everything we hear. Every single person that is accused of something, they're guilty. They're guilty. Doesn't matter. I don't know the facts. I've only, they're guilty. Let's be honest. It's the way our culture is. We don't believe. We don't accept a story because we believe that truth is somewhere in the middle. So as we navigate through this and we're struggling with truth and belief we've been raised in a culture that has tried to teach us successfully unfortunately that your truth is your truth my truth is my truth that's all that matters i should respect your truth you should respect mine and we could just get along church i want you to know god is truth there's only one truth it's his and we need to adopt his truth not ours and he's not grading on a curve and he's not trying to make us feel good about ourselves. He is who he is and he is God and we need to align ourselves to his truth whether we like it or not, agree with it or not, think he's right or not, he is. He's God. Okay, this is not... Um, look, I mean, I want you to, to be offended a little bit. I'm, I'm fine with that. I really am because it's God's truth. I'm not declaring something about Dave's political stance, my ideas. This is God we're talking about. All right? So here we are. God says something to us. He invites us, church, to come to him. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and do what? And then what? Seek my face. Amen. I will hear their prayer. And what else will I do as God speaks? I will heal their land. Oh my goodness, are we messed up? The United States of America is broken. We're bleeding. We're dying. And the people of God are flinging swords and adding to the bloodshed. And we are not seeking the face of God. That is a promise God speaks to us, church. God has made me painfully aware of something that's happening in our country that you are well aware of. 
and that there is great division probably right in this very church. So I do not want anyone to respond to what I'm about to say. This is not a political speech. Hear me to the end. We in the United States have a problem at our southern border. You can agree with that, no matter what side you're on. We have a problem. And here's the problem that I see in it. We're either on this side of that issue or this side of that issue. And we are staunchly on one side or the other. But how many Christians are praying and asking God for the solution? Instead of siding on something and fighting with one another to find the solution because it's my solution. If my people are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear their prayers and I will heal their land. The answer to our problems in this nation are found in God alone, not in a Republican or a Democrat. I appreciate your applause, so now let's come to God and seek His face for the answer. Seriously, come on. Church, we failed. We've failed. I should not expect the Republicans or the Democrats to have the answer. Why would we? Why would we? Seriously, come on. This is a culture that's taught us whatever truth you believe in is your truth, and that's okay. So now we have two truths and everyone believes in them and there's no middle ground and they just believe it to the point that they're ready to fight over it. We know truth. So it is our responsibility as God's people to call out to God, God, heal our land. Heal our brokenness. Come on. We have addiction that's rampant all over Tucson. We have broken homes and relationships and marriages. We have confusion on every side about sexuality. And the church is silently sitting by, engaging in the battle, only in the flesh. And we are not interceding and asking God to move and bring healing. We're not living in that truth and bringing the healing into ourselves so that God might use us as a vessel of healing. Church, we call upon the creator of the universe who made all those stars and those galaxies that are out there that are still exploding because he said, let there be, and there was. That power of God that spoke that all into existence still speaks today. But here I am thinking all is lost because we have the Democrats and the Republicans and we've got a problem. And so I struggle in the midst of their confusion when I know who God is. God, forgive us for our stupidity. I mean that. I confess that for me. I'm sorry. I won't include you in that. Forgive me for my stupidity. So here we are with promises from God that is truth. And we struggle to believe him because we've struggled to believe in anyone. We've struggled to hear truth. People are skeptical at every side. We like look at people and say, eh, uh-uh, they're not real. Uh, they got problems. That's not right. I mean, I mean, I'm not, I mean this kindly. Please hear me right. You know, like I've gotten emails before, like 
dude, who do you think you are? You're up there in front of the church wearing those kinds of shirts. You got a chain on yourself. I just want you all to know this is a wallet that my wife bought me. It's the only reason I wear it. I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, of course I'm going to wear it. My wife bought it for me, okay? It, it's because when you're a motorcycle, you don't want to lose your wallet. It's so when it falls out, it doesn't go anywhere. But you know what? People are sitting there cynical, like, who do you think you are? Uh, why do you look like that? Or why do you, it's like, seriously, man, let's get over ourselves and let's start to believe what God says and stop holding everybody to this standard that we don't even live to ourselves. I would never cut my hair. My wife cuts it. I mean, getting your hair cut's like going to the dentist to me. I can't stand it. I, I do not like it. Um, and, and so that's the reason, like, I'm happy to have long hair. And, I'm, like, every time she has to talk to me, like, counsel me for a week to cut my hair. <laughs> Starts planting the seed <laughs> till I surrender. All right, yeah. Anyway, let's leave that alone. Let's just talk about uh, my wife is home not feeling well. She's probably watching. She's, I love you. <laughs> so anyway. I'll wear this next week, I promise. Um, <laughs> so anyway, here's what's happening to us as a culture and um, as a church. We've allowed culture to influence to the point where we're so cynical about truth that we ourselves find ourselves speaking gray areas ourselves. Because it's become so natural for us that we don't expect someone to actually be saying what they really mean and say what they say that we're, we're very cynical and so we find ourselves not speaking truth or being true to our word and we we somehow can justify why we don't and there is no excuse for not being truthful and honest and real so the reason well let me ask you this have you um, well let me think about that <laughs> Have you been good to your word this week? Let me ask that again, so I do want a response, because there was only, <laughs> only three people responded. Have you been good to your word this week? Great, thank you. I'm glad there was a lot more than three. We could have had an altar call right then. Um, okay, so I haven't asked you the accountability questions yet on purpose, because I wanted to know if you've been good to your word. So you've entered into this relationship with God, that he has invited us into, that he's made a way for, that he's done everything for us about. And in receiving his forgiveness and restoration in a relationship with him, he said to us, you must spend time with me, spend time in his word, give me of your time, your talents, and your resources, not whatever one you want to. Listen to me and follow my lead. Those are our accountability questions. So you said, yeah, I've been good to my word. Have you been good to your word? That wasn't as many as said it the first time. You may be asking why I changed my plan. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church. By the way, before I read any further, um, we read about Paul's missionary journey where he was preaching Jesus and churches just happened because people were coming to Christ and the church just kept multiplying. He went on one missionary journey in Acts 
Then he went back to Jerusalem. We, we talked about that last week, going back to the churches to tell them the freedom that God has given to them in worshiping Jesus. You don't have to follow the law. Thank you, God. And he went around again. And one of those places he visited was the city of Corinth. And the city of Corinth, if you look back in the history in the time of the Bible days, was a trade center. It, was a, it had a port, a water port. So the trade throughout that existing world right there funneled through Corinth. So there was a lot of uh, ethnicity, people from other countries and cultures that came to Corinth. And so there was a lot of confusion in faith, a lot of different belief systems, a lot of traditions that blended together very much like the United States. It was a wealthy community. And God moved in that place and a church was formed. And so when you read the Bible in the New Testament, there's a first and there's a second Corinthians, two letters the Apostle Paul wrote to that church. The reason why there are two letters and they are so long is because it was such a dysfunctional church. It had problems. Uh, it wasn't a perfect church or a perfect people like us. And, um, but they loved Jesus. And the whole point of those letters was trying to help them in their walk with God. Like, don't do this, do this. Follow this way, do these things, don't do these things. Let's, let's make sure we do things in order and, and decency and respect for God and others. There's tons of direction in there. So in the second letter to the Corinthian church, I want to read a section to you because Paul had said something to them and now things had to change. And so he's clarifying something for them. And that's what we're going to pick up. You may be asking why I changed my plan. Do you think I make my plans carelessly? Do you think I'm like people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you, and is God's ultimate yes. He always does what he says. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with the resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. And it is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us. And he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us oh my goodness that is amazing right there church come on get a hold of what that just said to us the first installment of everything i want it all i want it all do you think i am like people of the world who say yes when they really mean no the apostle paul is saying you know i'm good to my word I am who I say I am. I do what I say I'm doing. Christian, we need to be different than the world. Our yes needs to be yes. Our no needs to be no. If something has to change, we need to clarify it so people understand why the no is now yes or the yes is now no. We need to be people of integrity and people of our word. Things happen. Life happens. Things have to change. There's no doubt about it. But we need to clarify what is going on and what is not going on. And so I ask you again, have you kept your word this week? Yes. 
So that means you've carried all of your vows in marriage all the way through. That means anyone you've wronged, you've repented of. Don't, don't answer at any point of this. That means that you have done exactly what God has asked you to do because you've said yes to Him. Church, I'm not... Yes, let's just move on. This is what I just read to you. Jesus, it's talking about Jesus. God's ultimate yes. God's ultimate yes is Jesus. He does what he says. <laughs> That's so crazy. It's like, yeah, he does exactly what he says he'll do. He's doing everything he promised. God said, I'm going to do this, and God did it. God's good to his word. Church, God is good to his word. He does what he says. Now, there have been times where God changed his mind for a while, and when he did, he sent a messenger to say, you know what? I've seen you. I see your repentance. Therefore, I'm going to delay that, but it's coming. Just so you know, I'm good to my word. God is absolute truth. God is absolute truth. We have been talking about the Spirit-led life for a long time. We keep reading these same verses. We read them again. In John chapter 16, Jesus said, and the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. God's absolute truth. There is no other. Okay. So the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, is leading us in truth. So when I was talking about when I surrendered to him and there was a newness in my life, God was leading me into truth because I allowed him to come in and take control of my life. So it was in that moment where I surrendered that he could lead. And so he began to lead me and reveal truth. Oh, what I was told about you wasn't true. This is who you are. What I was taught about you wasn't true. This is what you say for me to do. And I'm still in the revelation of learning that truth because what? I have received the first installment, which is the Holy Spirit, which opens the door to every promise of God. Man, it's amazing. So when, we, when we're looking at this truth and we want to know what God says, His Word is truth, right? His Word is truth. So Jesus is in the high priestly prayer, John 17. This is just before Jesus is going to give his life for us on the cross of Calvary. Remember a few weeks ago we read the scriptures where it says Jesus often withdrew himself from the crowds and prayed. In this moment, the Apostle John is close enough to Jesus to hear him pray and, and writes down the prayer of Jesus for us. And it is amazing what God did right here. Allowing us to have in our own hands a spoken prayer of our Savior Jesus that he prayed for me and you. And in the midst of that prayer, I read one sentence of an entire chapter of prayer. And it is in that 17th verse, I read these words to you as Jesus prayed for me and you. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. That's what Jesus prayed. And then I ask a question. Hear me. Have you spent five minutes a day, at least five days last week, in God's Word, which is truth, which is what makes us holy, which reveals to us who God is, 
shows us the promises of what he said about us, what he said for us, what he said to us. And we struggle as Christian people. Please, this is not condemning. Just hear it. We struggle with trying to make sure that we can spend time in God's word every day. When Jesus said, make them holy by your truth, teach them your word, which is truth. Lord, transform their lives through the power of the holiness of your word. The installment of the promise of the Holy Spirit is what reveals truth to us. God is good to his word. Back in the very beginning when he made a promise, like you in, in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, he calls to a guy named Abram. Abram, leave your home. Come on. Doesn't tell him where he's going or why he's going anywhere. Abram packs his stuff and starts walking. Okay. Traveling. He's going along in his journey. Sleeps wherever he comes to the nighttime. Gets up in the morning. Keeps on walking. One day, God says, Abram, yes, Lord. You're up on this mountain. You look around you. Yep, I see it. Abram, I'm giving your descendants all this land as far as you can see. I'm going to make your descendants as populous as the stars of heaven and the sand on the seashore. Abraham's standing there looking there. He doesn't even have one child. Not even one kid. I'm giving you all this land. I'm going to make you a nation, and I'm going to bless all nations through you. And you know what the Word of God tells us? Abram believed God. Seriously, that's, that's some amazing faith right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an old man. I don't have a kid, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have all this. My, na- my nation is going to be here. Cities will be all around here. People will be around here, a thriving metropolis, and all the nations of the world will be blessed through that. Here he is, a fatherless old man walking through a deserted place, and God speaks this to him. Abraham believed God. He continues on his journey. A couple days later, it's coming towards evening. And I'm going to read you this account from Genesis 15. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said, Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish that nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. As for you... You will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four, four generations, your descendants will return here to this land. Okay. Stop and read in the middle of all that. Later, as God is speaking to him, God speaks these words. I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. Abram, I'm doing this for you. And remember, he doesn't have a son yet. But God is good to his word. God is good to his word. Let's travel forward a little bit. As Abraham does have a son in his old age, 25 years later. That son has a son, and God visits the covenant in the next one. In Israel, who was Jacob, whom God changed his name to Israel, had 12 sons. And one of those sons was Joseph. And Joseph ended up down there in Egypt because his brothers didn't like him and sold him as a slave. God had a plan. 
raises Joseph up to second in power to Pharaoh. A famine hits the land. He calls for his family to come to Egypt where they live in the land of Goshen and become a populous nation. Joseph dies in the land of Egypt and a Pharaoh arises that does not know the goodness of Joseph or what God has done and begins to enslave the Israelites for 400 years. God visits a man in the desert, Moses, go and face the greatest power on the planet and all of his armies and all of his wealth. He thinks he's a God. You go by yourself and tell him, let my people go. Go face him. He does. They leave. They walk across dry land. Go over there to the promised land. They don't listen to God. They come back. Forty years they're wandering around. Then they come back to the border. God says, all right, Moses, it's time for Joshua. Joshua becomes a leader, takes the army in, and they begin at Jericho, and they begin to take the land. Joshua lives his full life as the leader, the conquering, victorious commander-in-chief of God's people. And I read you at the conclusion of Joshua's life these words. The Lord gave to Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had solemnly promised their ancestors. None of their enemies could stand against them, for the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. That's awesome. Church, God is good to his word. Now, I, I don't want you to like think this is an actual fact. I'm going to tell you I did a very quick study to get this number. I know it's fairly accurate. I'm just going to put that asterisk there and leave it alone. From the time that God spoke his covenant to Abraham, where he looked around and I'm giving this to you, to the time Joshua was standing there about to go into his eternal rest, and all of this has happened, is about 700 years. God's never in a hurry, but he's good to his word. <laughs> God is good to his word. Did you hear what it said? Every one of God's promises was fulfilled exactly like God said they would happen. God is good to his word, he's not in a hurry. And the problem is, is that I'm always in a hurry and God's always at work on his schedule in his time and in his plan. And so I get struggling along believing God's promises because what I want is an answer now and you said you would and therefore now is the moment. Deliver! And a lot of times it doesn't happen. And so I, in all of my wisdom, make an excuse why God hasn't moved because His promise says so. And really what it is, is I begin to lack confidence in His truth when God is good to His Word. And so I'm going to confess to you, church, as your pastor, 
that I know that God has promised things in his scripture and he's promised things in my heart about what he will do. But because they haven't already happened, I have um, slowed in my prayer about them. Not made it a major focus of my prayer life. And put it on the shelf of in God's time when in reality I'm just kind of like acting like it's not there because it's a lot easier to believe God in what I see happening. Trusting in the truth of what I know rather than what He said. It's so easy to believe in God for what you know. But it's really hard to believe in Him for what is yet to come. And so I trust him. So check this out. These verses in the Apostle Peter writes to the Christian church this letter. And in this letter, it, let's just read it together. It's awesome. It's to Dave. You can get it to you if you want to, but it's to me. But you must, must not forget one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Hey, hey human, let's start understanding something you're human. He's God. He's not limited by time. He's not running by your calendar. He's not in a hurry. But He's good to His Word. Time is irrelevant to God. Totally irrelevant. It's relevant to me and you because we know there's an end to our time here. And so we're always in a hurry because time's always running out. God's not in a hurry. He actually said this. Look at it. I, I read with this. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. Guilty. Like, hello? <laughs> you know the number of my days, don't you? <laughs> They're getting shorter all the time. Could you speed it up a little bit? The Lord isn't really being slow about His promises. Some people think, no, He's being patient for your sake. Oh, right back on me again. Dave, you can't handle it. Slow down a little bit. You need to understand how you need to believe in me. Trust me. Own what I say. In the areas that are hard for you, this is where I want you to trust me. I'm very patient with you. Dave, you need to learn this again. Dave, learn this again. Dave, learn this again. Lord, Dave, learn it again. Okay, can we be done with that? I'm slow and patient for your sake, Dave, because you need to slow down a little bit and understand who God is, and it's not you. Yes, Lord. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. So here we go. We're bringing it back to something here, aren't we? Hey, guys, just because everything seems slow moving and not happening, he's saying, guess what? It's all coming to an end. It's going to happen. All right, I just want you to know, it's going to happen. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives 
you should live. Amen? Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Oh, so we can hurry about something. <laughs> the end. That's what we're supposed to be hurrying about. Not the moment. God's purpose and plan. On that day, He will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth He has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for those things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Oh, man. God wants to save all of Tucson. Do you know that? He loves this place. So I, I'm wanting to hurry up in every area. God's like, yeah, but I got a lot of work to do down here, Dave, and you're supposed to be doing it. God's promises are truth, and our struggles with the truth often cloud our believing in God and believing His promises are for us. time we begin to speak truth live truth let our yes be yes and our no be no and we need to begin to take god's promises for the truth that they are for us you believe you're forgiven of your sins okay so let's step back from that for one second and this is what it says in first john chapter one verse nine if we confess our sins he, capital H, Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the reason why you and I have been forgiven of our sins and we are saved is because God said he would. And guess what? We found out that through the word of God. We accepted that truth and we believe that truth. And then guess what? The spirit of God touched us. Why? Because we believed what he said. And the Holy Spirit filled us. And the Holy Spirit is the first installment in all of the promises of God. So now the Holy Spirit is in us because He promised His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're a child of God. So now we sit here knowing that that is real truth. I am forgiven. I am filled. I am a child of God. I believe that then why in the world are we struggling with the other things in life? Why is it that I'm worried about what I'm going to do tomorrow and my job and where I'm going to live and if I'm going to have the finances or I'm going to have food? Why do we worry about that if we can trust God that His Word says that we're forgiven and He's wiped that away and we can spend eternity with Him? Why can't we believe when He says, I'll do this for you too? Yeah, it's truth. It's God's truth. The promises of God. So what we're doing is we're believing Him on some things, but not others. The things I'm comfortable with, the things I know are truth, I believe Him in. Now let's slide over here for a second. And God says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Don't be like the world where you seek material things and try and make sure everything's just right and you're consumed with worried about this, that. And He says, I'll take care of you. I will meet your needs. And so God's saying, hey, church, can you, like, apply this faith in that truth right here? I mean, how, man, 
He's amazing. And I can be really stupid sometimes. All that I know and all that he's shown me. And then I can struggle in believing him for certain things. And it's like, why? I mean, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. God did it all. He's not done. This creator God, his power has been unleashed in this spectrum of who he is. And his incredibleness is still being discovered by us. And he said it, and it happened. Come on. This is God we're talking about. And it just came to be because he said so. That should blow our mind. But there's a reason we're getting our minds blown in this section of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. Because what we're talking about here is our faith. So now we're talking about this God who said, Let there be, and it was... That's the God we're talking about, just to set the table, who said, let there be, and there was, from nothing became something. It is that God who breathed life in us and we became a living soul. It is that God we're talking about, and it is calling us into this faith in that God. So now let's continue reading with what we're being called into as we see what the scripture says. By faith, which is belief, which is trust, which is knowing that God is God and He is good to His word. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave his home. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. And all these people died still believing what God had promised them, the Messiah, the Savior. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They believed God was going to do what He said He'd do. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for his future sons. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. Read it in Genesis. He told his brothers and his family around him on his deathbed. God is good to his word. He's going to take us back to the land he promised. Take me with you. Read the Exodus account. Moses tells the children of Israel, when we leave this place, take Joseph's bones with us. God is good to his word, man. It was, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea. 
It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. And that same lady, by the way, I'm stepping away from that scripture, is part of the lineage of our Savior Jesus Christ. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the death, from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained and in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Someone about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of what? Their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. But they believed God. And God is good to His word. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Church, I go all the way back to the very verses that I started with this morning, and I want to reread this to you. After we get the challenge of faith, the call of God to us saying, come on, church, look at what everybody has done in the past. Look what God has done in the past. Look at who he is. Look at who we're serving. Look what he has accomplished. Look what he's provided us. And the challenge is, will you believe him? Do you believe him? Will you accept his truth? Let me read this to you again, church. He has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. Every promise of God has been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to initiate all of the promises of God. This great cloud of witnesses never got it, but they knew it was coming. We sit here today in the midst of it, having it. And God is doing something by placing a first installment Do you understand that when the first installment comes, there's more? Yeah, Yeah, there's more. That guarantees everything He has promised us. So let's go back to Dave for a minute. Here's that 19-year-old that said, yes, God. And God's like, come on, I want to lead you. 
Let me show you who I am. Learn me. Love me. Understand me. Let me... Come on. And I'm walking along. And there was that that installment of the Holy Spirit that absolutely transformed everything about who I was and where I was heading. And as I look back over these past years, I see them. Oh yeah, there was that crisis moment. There was that crisis moment. There was that crisis moment. There was that moment. There was God there. There was God there. There was God there. And I stand here today and God's saying, Hey Dave, come here. <laughs> Keep moving. I, I'm, really, I'm really happy with what I know about you, God. <laughs> I love you. It's amazing. I love it. I want you to have more. I want you to believe me more. I want you to expand your understanding of who I am, Dave. It's not about you. It's not about what you think. It's who I am. Don't stay in kindergarten. You may be having fun with the Play-Doh and crayons, but I got more for you. I got so much more. I mean, come on, man. Church is inviting us into this thing to believe Him. And so, in the last week and a half of my life, (laughs) in the last week and a half of my life, God has revealed to me how... Um, unhealthily childlike I am and just inviting me to trust him in things that I'm uncomfortable with to begin to believe what he says not just believe what I know he's going to do because he's done it but to begin to believe God for what he has not yet done but the promises are all there so let's stop picking the promises we like and we're comfortable with and let's start believing God for what he said and who he is. And so God's patient and slow with us. And he's like, come on. But I do believe he wants to save Tucson. I do believe there's a move of God coming. I do know the Holy Spirit is moving, not just here at CFF, but all around in different churches. The Holy Spirit is moving in his people. And God is up to something. And, and I don't want to just like, I don't want to be a spectator. And so if I'm not going to be a spectator, I've got to be all in. I've got to jump in there and just trust Him and believe what He's saying to me and risk it a little bit. Believing Him. Amen. So, I invite you to join me in not only beginning to pray and believe for a transformation of Tucson, but that it would begin in me and my home. And then believe that God intends to heal and deliver people like He said He would. I know that's a little uncomfortable. I get it. Like, I make excuses for non-healings all the time. I do. As if God needs me to make excuses for him. I don't understand him. I'm the first to admit that to you. I don't know why he heals and why he doesn't heal. But he's God, and I trust him. But I can't go in believing that he's not going to do it before I start, or he's not going to do it. And I can't not ask him, or it can never happen. Right? It's not all about us, but we can ask him about us. I mean, come on. He gave a guy a ride on a Harley because he asked. In his last few days of his life, I'm serious. So I'm like, Lord, that's crazy. So why wouldn't I ask you to just like do this for us? Like fix this problem. Make this happen. He can change that. 
outcome that you think is in front of you, right? He's amazing. We're asking you to do that, God. Yeah. We trust him. He's amazing. Would you stand with me? I come to you today, Lord, uh, humbly. I've asked forgiveness from you. I do it publicly in front of your people that I um, I need greater faith. And uh, I recognize that. I see that. I'm... <laughs> Man, I, I want to be your guy. <laughs> I want this church to be your church. Man, God... I want people to be looking and saying, what is God up to there? And I want them to see you. Not me, not us. You. You, God. You're the answer. Not us. Not our views, not our ideas, not our political agendas, our social agendas. It's all about you. God, I surrender all that to you, and I trust you, and I love you. God, have your way. We surrender. This is your house your time give you glory lord in the name of jesus church i i don't think you have to say the same prayer as me the spirit of god is moving in you you know exactly what you need to say to god i'm publicly confessing before you i am desperately in need of him i don't know what i'm doing i know i'm following him i do know that and i'm going to keep on following him please put your eyes on him and follow him he loves you Great things are in front of us. Great things are in front of us. God is amazing. He loves you. He cares about you. Trust Him. You're dismissed. This altar's open. If you want to come and pray, man, God, yeah, God bless you. Thank you. He's so good. Come and pray if you need to. If not, get on out there and live for Him.